Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bram Radio Podcast. Today is going to be a little different. Obviously, I'm not Jeff Bramstead. My name is Samuel Bramstead. I am 19 years old. I am number two of three Bramstead boys. And uh, today we wanted to do a, something, you know, a little different. Um, I, I came into my dad's office and I was like, hey, it'd be kind of cool to do a podcast with just me and you and, and show them and show them our relationship and the conversations that we have and how how unfiltered we can be sometimes. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking about some struggles that I've had personally, um, li- you know, living on my own at a young age and and being a son of a former Navy SEAL and, and a guy who just does kind of everything. It's none other than Jeffrey Bramstead. That's what it feels like to sit on this side. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Today you're my guest. I'll make sure I don't get out of line. Yeah. Am I allowed to cuss? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, we're um, doing this unapologetically, as our as our, <laughs> as our bio say. Go full John Blue. Yep. Just, just <laughs> full, full send. <laughs> yeah, no filter on that guy, for sure. He's amazing. He was such a great, great, great guest man oh, i wish i could have been here for that podcast it was awesome yeah it was awesome yeah you have, you, have you, you watch it though right oh, yeah I, i've seen it a thousand times that guy leans in man yeah he gets he gets down to the i to like the i like hearing his hockey stories about if you're going to be a hockey player and you're going to be a hockey player in boston you better not mess up <laughs> because they they bite. Remember that he was talking about getting, you know, beer thrown at him and yeah. All he, all he, he's a goalie. He misses a goal. He has to skate to the back over to the um, over the rail, get over the rail to to the like their their bench and people throwing their pretzels and hot dogs at him. And yeah, man, what a good show that one was. I've seen I've seen some uh some like YouTube clips of Boston. And NHL, NHL games, and mm-hmm. those fans are ruthless. Yeah, yeah. They Boston all Bruins. Back. Boston Bruins. So, what are we gonna talk about today, Sammy? <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of everything. We're gonna just, you know, we're gonna talk how we talk. Okay. Gonna, it's a conversation between me and you. Okay. Yep. Cameras aren't here. Remember that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling pretty nervous. I'm not. Are you? I'm not used to be on this side of the cameras. I'm. I'm I'm more of the the behind the scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you do for this show? I do uh, content creation, social media production, and gotcha. I work. I work with work Zach back there. He's somewhere back there. See what I did? I just completely turned that around, yep. and now you just. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now I feel like the guest. Yeah. Come on. What you got? Um. So, a few years ago, I think it was back in in 2017, you gave a piece of your like literally gave mm-hmm. a piece of your body and to uh some someone you didn't even know mm-hmm. and um now she's a member of our family mm-hmm. that she's literally blood related now right so tell tell us about that how like, why oh that's right so that would be <clears throat> um that'd be my my new little sister melinda ray oh, melinda. she is this beautiful woman she's an amazing wife and an amazing mother, and uh, and to, to Mary and uh, Kieran and Caleb, just these amazing kids. And she had a polycystic 
um, uh, kidney disease, but it had transferred to her liver. Mm. And her liver was about the size of an infant. It's pretty big. So the average liver being about 15, 1,500 grams. I mean, it's um, um, about like about the size of, you know, it's about the size of two fists or so. And, uh, um, but hers was like the size of a nine pound baby. It was huge. And it was impeding her ability to uh, have a normal sleep pattern she couldn't sleep she couldn't eat she was only awake a few moments out of maybe a few hours out of the day uh, her heart rate her breathing everything was affected by this and um, and she was given you know just a you know, she wasn't given much time left on this earth with her kids and her husband yeah and so she reached out over Facebook fortunately um, Robin um had so robin well mama bear um she went to college with melinda's sister and so robin saw that and melinda was had just put it out over facebook that that this was a need she needed somebody to be a donor and robin saw it and brought my attention and um i was busy in the middle of doing something i think i was overseas at the skydiving um, Swoop Freestyle World Championships. Oh, that's right. In Copenhagen? In Copenhagen. That's yeah. right. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I saw a little, like a few lines of what, what Robin sent me. I was like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Now I have a little sister. She's, she's, uh, amazing. And she has, um, the most obnoxious, husband in the world um he goes by uh james sweet tits ray (laughs) um and he is always a riot that guy we we have some good we have some good crack ups he and i but yeah they we now have added family members definitely and for sure yeah, and it was it was right after that Robin Robin texted you. You didn't even think about it. You were like, "Yep, let's see if let's see if I'm a match. Yeah. Let's do it right now." Yeah. Yep. Didn't yeah. even think about it. Yeah, it's it's uh it's 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 a it's a see a need and meet it. Mm. If you have a if you have you can have a vision for something and you can be going down the road towards fulfillment of a vision. For, towards uh, trying to fulfill a dream, whatever it may be, that's 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 great. But as you're going down this road, you can't ever. You, you I mean, it's it's good to be laser focused, but you're going to bypass opportunities to be a miracle if you're not paying attention. It's called spiritual situational awareness. Right. You want to have your head on a swivel. And you're going to see somebody that has a need. You're going to see something that needs to get done. You're going to see some place that you could impact somebody. You're going to see somewhere where you could have maybe a little bit of influence. You can see someone where you can plant a seed. You're going to see somebody who needs help, that needs use, needs something that's in you. The reason God put it in you is so that you can bring it out and you can 
you can be that blessing for somebody else. But so many people get wrapped up and I have somewhere I have to be. I have a vision I have to fulfill. I have a dream that I have to make happen. Or they're so wrapped up in their own mess that they can't stop to see that. And sometimes the best time to be a miracle is when you need one. Wow. That was, uh, that was powerful. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it was, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience too. I'd never been <laughs> had a surgery before, so I, I wasn't that great of a patient. I learned. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember when you, when you first told me that story, you were mentioning how, how big your liver was in comparison. It was just, it was like, it was like this big. It was like this massive. Big. Yeah. Big liver energy right there. You know what they say. <laughs> <laughs> big hands, big liver. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that can be a saying now. Um Yeah, you you ran into all kinds of interesting people in that in that journey too, haven't you? Like the White Walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh she was the uh anesthesiologist. Uh, and James and I started calling the White Walker because she had white hair and piercing blue eyes, and she was she was mean, like she was. And I remember the last thing she said to me before she put me out. She said, "I am a woman, I am small, and I am old, and none of these things are you." So, if when I when you're coming out of anesthesia. If you come out like I think you are, I want you to know I have the biggest needle in the room, and I will put you right back down again if you're coming out violent. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. And, and she goes, listen to my voice. This is what you're going to hear as you're coming out. You're going to hear my voice. And I want you to remember that. I'm using a lot of words because I want you to understand what I sound like because mm. I don't want you freaking out when you wake up. So yeah, that was the, the White Walker. One of my favorite characters in that whole story is is uh, also besides James and Melinda and their their family is uh, is Elizabeth Pomfret, the doctor. Ah, uh, Miss Pomfret. Yes, she was amazing. Woman. And her, her, so 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 Doctor Pomfret and uh, took the, my liver out, and then her husband put my liver in Melinda. I actually did not know that. And so they're they're married. They're 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 a married couple, but they met in high school. Good good for them. Wow. So think about that. They met in high school. They didn't meet in like doctor school. Yeah. You know, high school sweethearts. They were high school sweethearts and did out. this whole journey together. And now they they work in an OR together. And and now she's you know the president of the, some transplant organization that's a worldwide organization. She's yeah she's she's a big wig. So, but she's, she was, she is absolutely hilarious and does not put up with poor patient antics <laughs> that I have plenty of, allegedly, can either confirm nor deny. I mean, who, I mean, you're just giving up part of your life. I mean, it's like, I mean. I can confirm. Are you, are you supposed to, like, drink anything, you know, alcoholic, you know, for the first three months? I mean, probably not a great idea. You supposed to pick up anything over ten pounds? No, you know. So I would go to the store and I would take one of those shopping carts and I would just load it down with just red wine, some whiskey, and everything else. And I would take a picture of it and I just I would say in the text message to her, <laughs> "I'm pretty sure this is over ten pounds. <laughs> Never mind what's in it." <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, 
I remember after the after the surgery, you were telling me a story how you were talking to Robin, and the I think the just a lot of pain. You were just in a lot of pain, and you went up to Robin. You were like, "Where where was this? Where's the surgery take place? Where was it?" In uh, near near uh, near Denver in Aurora. Aurora. Yeah. You're like, Robin. If you love me at all, you will go out to the street and find whatever drugs you can and bring them back to me <laughs> as soon as you can. I am dying over here. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably my like, favorite. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, like where am I? Where would I? Like, you're in Aurora for crying out loud. You don't have to walk five feet. You're going to be able to find it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You what came out of that whole thing, though? One of my favorite, my favorite things that came out of that story was... Um, I right after that I wasn't able to work out for months. Mm. So when it came time for me to get back on my feet, the first place I went was to um, was to uh, Victory MMA and Fitness uh, Jocko's gym, right? And I'm like, I, I have to do stuff. I have to do something. I'm gonna get back in. I definitely want to get back to fighting. And, you know, and team guys like to support each other and stuff. I've known him for so long. I was like, let's, I'm just going to go there and it's near the house. So I'm in a boxing class. I am dying because it's just, my arms are ready to fall off. It's just a fitness level I didn't have after three or four months of not doing anything. And I'm at the water fountain just inhaling water. I'm pretty sure my mouth was over the, the thing that the water is coming out of. And I'm trying to pull the water out of the out of the pipes you know and i used to laugh at those kids in elementary school yeah put their mouth on the, on yeah the yeah they're fountain, it's definitely know? i mean it's like total window liquor stuff you know what i mean <laughs> it's for sure it's crayon eating yeah you know um i don't know it's it's definitely uh, and jimmy may comes down the stairs and he says um uh bram what are you doing here and i'm like oh hey man how's it going and uh and he goes, uh, dude, the, the men train upstairs. Ouch. I was like, yeah, called out. <laughs> Next day I was upstairs, and that's where the jujitsu mats are. And so ever since then, it's been jujitsu every day for me. So now it's five, well, almost five, five, six years. Yeah, I think so. It was right around when I started wrestling, and that was just before high school. Yeah, so it'll be like March, I think. Yeah. So it was, so it'll be six years in March, I think, that, I, that I've been training. Yeah. So I love going to train with you in the mornings. It's Slow like, down. it's like all of my friends are there in one spot. You know, I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to like text anybody, hey, are you going to be there? Cause I just know they're going to be there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I love going to the gym and getting that kind of workout in because it's so different than like mm -hmm. lifting weights or doing, Cardio, because it's like kind of like cardio, kind of like lifting weights rolled into one, except it's not weights, it's people. Yeah. And it's like a whole different kind of thinking. I always tell people that if you're going to, if you're not sure about, I think everybody needs to do some kind of uh, uh, combat training of some sort. Right. The reason for it is multi-layered. I think that every dude needs to be capable i think that every guy needs to be dangerous and i'm when i say dangerous i'm not talking about 
you know, uh, dangerous, like, oh, he's volatile. He's going to go postal and he's going to go do bad and illegal things. That's not what I'm talking about when I say dangerous. I think that the most dangerous part of any human being is going to be if they properly utilize their mind, they're going to be very dangerous. Mm. They're going to be a very, they are a very dangerous human. And there is a, there is a, uh, there is a tactical preciseness that happens with jujitsu. But the wide range of outcomes and choices you have are massive. Yeah. You can control somebody. You can hurt them. You can injure them. The difference, you could kill them. Like you have a wide array of options that you have. And you've, you'll never arrive. It's like golf. You'll never arrive. You'll never just be, you know, it's never going to happen where somebody's going to, like, hit an 18. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then hit another 18 and then hit an 18. And it just that's all they do is just hit 18s. It's, it's not going to happen. There's no consistently perfect. Right. Yep. And that's my, my favorite thing about, about jujitsu. But at the same time, man, the mental workout that you get when you do that along with the physical side of it. And there can be impact, but there's not that much. And right. so you can do it for longer um, than you can, like, say, you know, well, play football or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. But I always tell people, too, it's like if you're looking for something to do, and that's a that's a, a martial art that is going to have the – you'll be able to get the most out of it's going to be jujitsu. And I think that Western boxing and – kickboxing and muay thai all that stuff is great it's great but you know you, you have to be ready the dangerous person is somebody who's ready for any circumstance any situation that's why i always say hey stay dangerous yep. i'm assuming that you're dangerous i am giving you i am giving you the benefit of the doubt that you are smart enough to be able to think your way out of most situations that you're going to be able to use your words over your hands that you're going to be able to you're going to be able to choose your way in the right way at the right time with the right words, right? That's right. a dangerous man that can do that. Yeah. But then when that doesn't work and somebody brings trouble to you, when the battle chooses you and it's time to get to work, now you have more tools to work with. That's why I always like to tell people about jujitsu. Just you know, get in there, get on the mats, and do it. You're gonna know in the five first five seconds that you do it, whether you like it or not. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yep. And for, I mean, for me, jujitsu helped a lot with my my other things that I did, like like skateboarding and and oh, yeah. skydiving and all that, because it, it builds that body awareness. And so now I I can. I mean, it just it just helps a lot. And uh, I you're a terrible skydiver though. Yeah, but I'm better than you, so it's kind of <laughs> burn. <laughs> oh, that would hurt a little. It's not true, though. It's not well, true. Let's go. Let's go up and let's go up and see. What's 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 the bet? And what are we doing in the air? It doesn't matter as long as I can get you in the air. <laughs> as long as I can get you in that plane, I'll do it. That's what it is. It's just you just want to go up and jump with dad. Yep, that's I it. I, I think know. the last jump that I did with you, I was, I was, I think I was seventeen. I was seventeen. I was. I mean, I was. I started jumping when I was sixteen, 
as the youngest skydiver in the country, mm-hmm. following my brother, who also is the youngest skydiver in the country. He actually started earlier than I did. He did it. He did his first jump right on his 16th, 16th birthday. 16th birthday. Yep. Yep. And yeah, so I mean, Zach Zach has a picture that you could put up. It's it's one of my favorite pictures. I saw my braces on. Look like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll do anything to get you back. Is it plane. what is it the, the the picture of you, me, and Micah in the plane? Yep, that was a good one. Yep, that was a good one. Yeah, I remember that jump so well. The only like the the memory that sticks out to me the most in all of skydiving is I don't even know where Mike is at. He's somewhere in in the sky, mm-hmm. and it's it's me and you. We're both upside down. And it's just, I'm looking at you, you're right side up to me, but the entire world is upside down. Yeah. And, whew, Yeah. Just just thinking about it makes me want to do it again. Yeah. That was a, that was a fun one. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things uh, that we, that, that I did with, with you and Micah was, and I'm really glad that Adrian wasn't there. Um, <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, Adrian's 13. Um, I don't think he would have fared so well, but it was when you, me, and Micah took our the motocross bikes out and we went out to Pine Valley and we were just gonna go and just do some trails, maybe some single track. And yeah. we got out there, <laughs> sixteen inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go anyway. We're gonna do this, and it was it was hard riding. Yeah, so hard. And then Micah started uh, his his he started getting cranky because his di- his his blood sugar started dropping yep. with the diabetes, and it just did not. That, that he he stopped having fun after a while, so and we had to take it take it on home. But man, that was amazing. Yeah, the more the the less fun Micah has, the more fun I have. It's <laughs> it's, it's so fun seeing him frustrated. <laughs> and when your blood sugar is low, I'm I'm diabetic too, and so is our little, little sister Annie. And when your blood sugar is low, it's like your emotions get um, what's what's the word? They become pronounced. Yeah, pronounced. That's a good mm-hmm. word to use. And so, like, if you're if you're upset or you're angry, you're really upset. You're really angry. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I remember I was in like sixth grade. I was so low coming home from school, and Micah knew because he you, there's like telltale signs. Like you can see it. Like mm-hmm. my color goes away. I kind of start you know losing myself a little bit. <clears throat> and Micah's trying to like force feed me juices. He's just trying to like hold me down, just shove them down my throat, and. I was like trying to kick him off me. I was like throwing juices at him. I was throwing everything at him. <laughs> and I didn't even know. Like, I didn't really remember all that happened until he called you later because we used to, we, we go to you for all of our problems that mm-hmm. we have, our little squabbles. Right. And yeah, it's super fun seeing Mike upset. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, <clears throat> did you, do you remember? And I think that we, I think I talked about this in one of the other podcasts, and I think I had you say it from, you know, behind the camera. Do you remember the phrase that I had you and Micah memorize? And I would have you say it every day that I would drop you off at school. What was, what's the question I would ask you? What is character? And what is character? Character is the place inside you where the things that you do, the things that you say, and the decisions you make come from. Yeah. What does that mean? It means. Well, first, you remember when, you, uh, and then, and then you, I would pick you up at school, and I would ask you, "So how did it go?" Yep. And then you guys always had the most honest answers. Well, yeah. I mean, you ask a question, you get you get an honest answer. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And it's and and you would always and you're like, oh, I didn't do it today, Dad. I messed up. Like, tell me about it. What happened? 
And then you guys would tell me about a mistake that you made or you laughed at a joke you shouldn't have or you made yeah. somebody feel a certain way, you know? And it's like, okay, well, what's the solution? Yeah. Well, problem identified. What's the solution? Yeah. And then the next day you would come home and you say, you know what? That cleaned up really well. And I made a new friend, you know? Yep. It was so it was so interesting watching you guys grow up in your just varied environment, right? Mm-hmm. You have my house or in mom's house, right? Yeah. And 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 you had diabetes to deal with. And you have a you know, Annie, she's you know, special needs sister. Yeah. And all these all these dynamics and seeing how you and Micah, Annie, how you guys have embraced the new guy, Adrian. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> For the last few years that he's that he's been with us, your new little brother. And and how well adjusted that you have been is is really quite it's really quite fantastic to watch it all unfold, wow. you know. But when, um, but then when you make a mistake as a, as a nineteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old, sixteen-year-old, whatever, right? The role as a dad changes. It's gonna change. My role as your father is going to constantly be going through a, a, a morphing. It's going to be just in a constant flow state, right? The name dad isn't going to change, but my role as a dad is, right? Right. And that's why I remember I set you guys down. I think it was probably, I don't know, you were probably you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, yeah. you and Micah, and I just said my role as your dad is, is going to change. I think I'm going to um, be taking on more of a coach position, less of a dad position, a little less discipline, a little bit more, hey, okay, mistake made. Let's get in it. Let me help you. Let's I'll get in it with you. Let's demonstrate the standard. Let's get through it together and we'll sort it out. We'll talk about we'll talk about the other stuff later, but let's deal with this situation at hand and let's do it together. You remember that conversation? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Um so my so my role as a dad is always going to be changing right and so being able to get in there and and have that that conversation with you and then afterwards being able to see how you guys then felt like you could come to me with more stuff and you guys did yeah that's true do that right yeah and we were always like me, me and micah were so terrified of you when we were younger because we like switching back and forth households mom was kind of more like oh you got everything you need here's here's your here's your here's your food you know she would like spoon feed us food mm-hmm. and going to your house everything is so like you know gonna be dumb gotta be strong and it was really difficult it's a real challenge for me personally mm-hmm. to um swallow my pride and tell you what was wrong, what was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand that you wanted to know, not because you wanted to punish me, but because you wanted to help me through it, and that you wanted to be there and yeah. be a you know a lifeline. Yeah, I mean, there was a, I mean, point in time was like, you know, you lied. That's a hundred push-ups. Yeah, you know, <laughs> to um, I I get it. I've done that too. 
um and here's how i got through it and do you do you like how you how you how are you doing with it now mm. what what do you need from me you know and and uh i remember you guys like look at each other look at me and like is that guy okay like, <laughs> yeah. what happened because i, I made i made the because that adjustment came like now you know mm-hmm. and i was just like and i think we're gonna do it this way and there's a lot of dads out there that they they and that's called intentional parenting it's called parenting on purpose it's it's, it's parenting with an end goal in mm-hmm. mind right my end goal is to teach you everything that I know how to be a good man. Not to be me, because you don't want to do that, because I am a failure as a man. I have messed everything up, but I am also um, redeemed by the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. And, (laughs) And then past that, Man, there's a few redeeming qualities in there, maybe somewhere, someplace, you know, but if I can if I can show you where the minds are in the minefield, if I can if I can draw somewhat of a map for you through the things that are cursory that you're gonna go through, the things that are compulsory, the things that everybody has to do, if I can show you how to get from point A to point B. Because you have a bunch more waypoints that you have to hit. But this first one is the one where you're doing it with me. You're doing it under my wing. You're watching what I do. You're listening to what I say. You're going where I go. You're following me. You're emulating. You're imitating. You're doing what I do. And then what to go for, that's point A to point B. Then I get to point B. Now from from point B to point C, it's a little bit less by the time you get to point D, E, and F, like you're on your own and you're probably up in in front and in your you're you're hauling the mail. You're going, right? But you're gonna make a mistake. Yeah. But when you make a mistake, how do you view you when you make a mistake? That's what character is. Right. That's what character is right there. Yeah. And do you fail forward or do you just quit? you stop I know a lot of guys that have just made so many mistakes and they view themselves a certain way and they 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 just stop their vehicles in neutral they're not engaged they're shut off and they're not leaning in they're not they don't they don't have they don't have that 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 head forward posture they have stopped engaging with people engaging with life engaging with circumstances engaging with solutions that'd be fantastic yeah something that's really hard to learn how to do is fall forward a lot of people that i know personally that are my age Mm -hmm. tend to the second that anything remotely bad happens in their life i mean it's and it's not really like a absolute concern Mm -hmm. you know it, it could be like Oh, my boyfriend said this about me. They shut down. Mm -hmm. They shut down mentally, emotionally, and they don't know how to pick themselves back up in a healthy manner. They kind of, they resolve to doing unhealthy things. Like, I mean, for me, me, it was smoking weed. That Mm -hmm. was my biggest thing that Mm -hmm. I did. And that was when I was 
on my own. I, I moved out right when I got out of high school and I was living with Micah. And that's kind of where it started for me. And then Micah got sick of me, kicked me out, and I, I moved up to Oceanside. And I was really on my own then. I didn't have any, I didn't have any family members that were kind of in the general vicinity. Like when mm-hmm. I was living with Micah in North Park, I had you, I had mom. You guys weren't more than 25 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just, I separated from you guys. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see how that I would do on my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't do all that great. I, I messed <laughs> up. And so <clears throat> I. My favorite part. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go. Don't listen to what he says. <laughs> he came to the house. Zach, you'll love this one. So he came to the house and um, and I said, hey, Sam, um, you want to, you know, every time he'd oh. come over, I would I would give him I would give him my card and he could go and fill up his car with gas. I was like, hey, man, let's go uh, fill your car up with gas. And I start walking towards his car. He's like, dad, no, dad, dad, can we please not do this? For- dad, I'll let me, t- oh, dad. And he literally started getting tears in his eyes the closer I got to his car. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not stopping now. Like, I want to see what happens now. So I go around his car, and it looks like a homeless dude lives in his car. Yeah, like, it, was, it was pretty bad. Everything he owned was in this car. It was like laundry, and there was work clothes. There was all the, and it, and uh, and the window was down. I'm looking at the, the seat. There's stuff everywhere. And so I, I opened the door, and the smell that came out of there. It was bad. Shall we say, um, it looked like Cheech and Chong had a grow house in the in, in in like five broken bongs that that the bong water went all over the seat. I mean, it smelled bad in there. And I get in and I was just like, "Come on." And he looks at me and he's like, "Dad, seriously." And I was like, "Get in." He gets in, he looks at me and I just start laughing and he's just like I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. I was just like, <laughs> um, why? Because your car's a mess or because it smells like weed? You're like, which one? Like, I like, and, and the list goes on. He was like, all of the above. You know? Yeah. Was, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was after that mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, okay. He's not, he's not going to be an asshole about it. He's not, you know, he's not there to just tell me that I'm messing up, tell me that I'm doing bad. He's Watch there. your language. Yes, sir. And he was always there for me. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I, I really appreciate. What's <laughs> your language? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I was 19 yeah. once, you know, and I get it. I understand. Um, and you're going to make mistakes. Like, what, what What do you need at that point? Do you need Do you need somebody to point out the fact that you're probably not doing things so well? Or do you need someone to be like, I get it. Um, and uh, um, problem identified. Let's move on to the problem solution phase. What's next? How are we going to solve this problem, right? Yep. People who stay in problem identification phase too long they end up missing the opportunities that are presented to them for a solution. They stop thinking ahead of the plane. 
right? A pilot who's flying an airplane, you have to think ahead of the airplane. If you're driving a motorcycle down the road, you have to think in front of the motorcycle. If you're flying a fast canopy, you better be thinking in front of that canopy. The faster that canopy is moving, the faster, the further in front of it you need to be thinking. Mm-hmm. If you're flying an airplane, the faster that airplane, the further ahead you need to be, you need to be thinking, right? That's right. the same thing with problem solution and problem identification. If you're in problem identification, you're identifying a problem that is happening inside the airplane. It is happening inside the confines of that aircraft. It is something in the engine. It is something in the electronics. It is something that is failing. There is a problem, and it needs to get handled. The solution is going to be based, whatever you choose for a solution is going to be based on your altitude and how far you are from where it is that you can put that thing down. I mean, I'm not a pilot. I'm just freaking using that as an analogy. Right. Right? So your solution is, is there, but... Do you have enough? Do you have enough in the tank after you've identified the problem to be able to come up with a solution? So people who spend all their time just trying to point out, like, "Oh, you're this," and "Oh, you're that," I always, I have a buddy of mine, this team guy. I, I, I always tell him, like, "You are the most judgmental human that I know." Spend so much time in problem identification that by the time it comes down to the solution. It's like he doesn't have enough left in the tank conversationally. He doesn't have enough left in the tank. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a I don't know what the issue would be, but he can't he can't he can't get out of the identification phase. And he is always just pointing at it and he's complaining about it, bitching and moaning about everything that you that you need. Now's your chance. Watch yeah. your language. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and it, I had to tell you that I, had to, I was gonna say I had you're to, on a roll. I, I had to tee up, up the Oh man. I'll be better next time. It's okay. Okay. Anyway, you get my point, right? Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't gonna sit there and just you know pound that into you. I mean, it's like we needed to we needed to get to the solution phase fast, mm-hmm. right? And so we did, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I moved. I moved back home. <laughs> had to. <laughs> I had to. Yeah. Yeah. Rent was getting a little a little steep up there too. Yeah, we had a little bit of a hole, and so now you're now you're now you're getting it, getting it sorted out. And so people ask me sometimes; they say, "When is it? When is it appropriate for your to to move your children out of the house?" I always tell them it depends on the child. Hundred percent. It depends on it the child, because if you have a child who's like going to the Marine Corps, hey, get it, go, do it. I'm I'm uh, I'm. I'm going off to college and I'm going to go do it. Well, the kid who's going to the Marine Corps, the only way he's coming home is if something happens to him in boot camp where he doesn't make it through. He's going to be probably coming home to reset to go and do his next thing. But if he's wired to go to the Marine Corps, he's probably going to come home. He's going to bounce. He's going to be there for a moment, but he's going to be heading back out. A kid goes to college, right? Mm. Depends on if there's a whole bunch of factors in there. But when you it's what you're going to it's what you're going to allow and uh, in like in in the house i'm i what i allow in our house are things that are going to move you forward down the road towards a goal towards an uh, a um a growth pattern that's going to move you into society where you are going to be 100% useful right and if it takes an extra year Two years to get you there, I'm all about it because you know, hey, 
not everybody's got it in them just to go out there and just and and just go out into the world, start working and and nail it. Right now, we have some economy issues. We have some cultural issues. We have some political issues. We have a lot of stuff going on right now. And your generation, because of my generation, has not been properly equipped for what is coming. No, they have not. So it's going to be a little bit of a struggle when when you get out there. So now, what do we spend a lot of our time doing, right? Yeah. We spend a lot of time talking about money, how we handle money, what do we do with money, what is a tithe, what does a tithe mean, right? Tithe, it means tenth part, it means test. It's giving the first fruits of your money. It's the it's the principle of first that 90% of your money is now blessed versus 100% of it being not blessed. 90% blessed goes away further than and people say, oh, I can't afford to tithe. Well, you know, it's I think it's backwards. I think you can't. You, 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 you can't afford not to tithe, right. right? And so learning those principles, right? Now you're starting to get money in the bank. Now you're starting to get uh, some ideas and some dreams, some business ideas. Entrepreneurial juices are starting to move and flow. You're, you're, um, you're being able to you know, enjoy being in a family environment as a healthy young man, you know, and you are, you're, and you're, and you're growing now super fast as a result of being in the house, but you also have a plan. You're like six months is my plan that I'm out again. It's the people who don't have a plan that are terrifying when they're, when you have them in your house. Like I have no idea how long I'm going to be here, but all I know is that I'm going to enjoy mom and dad as long as I can, because it's free and the food's free and there's lots of it, you know? That's not a good reason to stay at home. Right. Yep. You know? Being being back home, mm-hmm. could not imagine a better place that I could be. I feel I feel like I feel like coming back inside with a warm fire after being out in the cold where mm-hmm. it's like ten below and you don't have any clothes on. You're just I don't know where you're getting back out there though. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but I'm gonna go out there well equipped uh, well equipped mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go out there better than when I came in. Yeah. And it's it's all about that that growth and that progress. So, you know, you're 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 talking about some of the things that people in your generation, what they deal with. Right. Yeah. What are some more things that that you see them struggling with that they're that that is just seems to be a uh, it seems to be like that they weren't they weren't properly taught how to do certain things. But well, let me ask. Let me let me retire. Yeah. Well. (laughs) I mean, you guys change tires great. You know yeah. what I mean? But if the the I guess what I'm trying to say is my generation I believe many many and I'm going to speak for everybody, but from what I see, many men stopped parenting as soon as their schedule got full. Mm. As soon as their as as soon as their um um there they became when they became they stopped parenting when they started becoming selfish instead of selfless and then they became over medicated they became over caffeinated they became over scheduled they became just um more uh more self-centered and they stopped paying attention to their kids and they stopped paying attention to their wife and as a result they just it became more about them. Now you start having a uh, uh, family structure falling apart, and then you start having kids between two homes. 
you experienced that because your your mom and I divorced many years ago yep. when you were still I think you were what four yeah three or four years old yeah it's like right after I got diabetes right before yeah Something and around there. yeah and she's she's I mean she's an amazing human Love like her to she's death. yeah and um and she the the like when she has a much different parenting style than I do and it's not I'm not saying better or worse i'm just saying a different parenting style so many kids in your generation had those two homes that they had to deal with and when they have these two homes there's going to be different sets of rules so now you have to go through the mental gymnastics of moving back and forth tell me about that a little bit yeah it was uh it was a little stressful more than anything a little bit yeah because when we came back from your house to Mm -hmm. mom's house it would be early in the morning we'd be tired or you know whatever and we would have to switch from the calibration got to recalibrate yeah, every time and so being in your house it's it's all about you know like do your chores make sure you do them well in excellence make don't like be an adult mm-hmm. essentially and so that was what your house was it was very a grown up place to be mom's house was kind of like 180 degrees we weren't allowed to do our own laundry. Like it was, mm. it was interesting being there. And so when, um, we got back from mom's house, it would be a lot of kind of like the, you know, like the lovey dovey babying. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I liked it a little bit. It was nice. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like right when we left your house, mm-hmm. we were in, we were in the flow of being at your house. And now we have to completely change. Mm. And I feel like I, I, coming back, it was, hmm, I don't know how to, how to put this, but it was, I was, I kind of felt like I was being a little bit hostile. Like I saw myself being a little bit more hostile going back to mom's house and really soft going to your house. Cause it's like, right when we had to leave one parent's house, we were already set in that mindset. Mm. You know, and it's hard to it's it's, it's like switching immediately because right when you get used to it, you're you're out of that groove again. Yeah, because it's just a short amount of time in both yeah. places, right? So there's probably people watching this who are kind of in that now, where maybe their kids yeah. are moving back and forth, right? And I think that like it's it's what what would have been a way, what would have made it easier for you? Looking at it from outside in now, right? What would have made it easier for you in transitioning between, say, mom's house to my house or my house to mom's house? I would say spending an equal amount of time at both houses. Because mm. mm. we're, we're with mom from, from it's, uh, we were with you every Wednesday, mm-hmm. well, every Wednesday night, and then every other weekend. Like that's that's not a lot of time, right? With your dad, you know, and we were with mom the entire rest of the time. I mean, and to be fair, we did go to school in Santee, and that's where all of my friends were. That's where my social life was. But going going back, I think I think spending equal time, like one week here, one week there, would have, would have so the transition was a little bit. Yeah, the transition would be a little bit. You know, I think one of the things that that uh 
um, makes that transition easier is that even though, and this not really the case with your mom and I, because, you know, we get along, you know, we get, we get, we, we don't have the, the, the fights and all that kind of stuff that a lot of divorced people have. And, but when you have parents that choose to co-parent and really get on the same page so that they are the, the choices that they're making, they're still, they may not be married, but the choices that they're making are going to be the same so that there's less of a dynamic difference between house one and house two communication yeah it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's a little bit more level i think that's probably the best the best way to the best way to do that and i think growing up i didn't i i didn't see it at that from that perspective at that time you know yeah. and then also it's like when you have house rules and personalities you know it's like you know um um Robin and I have, we have our houses a certain way of doing things, right? At your mom and Mark's house, they have a certain way of doing things, right? You have four people and trying to get them on a level playing field can totally be done. It's just a, it's just a, it's a, it takes a leadership ability and the ability for everybody in the scenario to put their guns down and come to the table. You have to be able to step out of that. And to do that means that sometimes you have to lead with humility. And that's not always possible, right? Yeah, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to it's do. It's a hard thing to do, you know? And, and, and leading with humility is going to, you know, it's, it's like you have you know, people who are leaders that, are, that, are, that have humility and are able to do that, but at the same time be a strong leader that's almost what it i mean that is what it what it would take to be able to make that dynamic work the best if that makes sense that makes sense you're doing good sam i, I appreciate that it's my first podcast so yeah hopefully there's more i'd, I'd be excited if there was we'll more. see love you too we'll dad see. <laughs> see what do you got man so i want to talk about how you grew up compared to how i grew up you know, you living in central Wisconsin, you know, on a farm helping, you know, your your mom and dad doing some hard labor, especially in like some real cold. We don't get real cold out here in San Diego. You're right. Versus, you know, me out here in San Diego. There's not really like any like hard labor that you can do when you have a, you, have, you know. So I think I, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, hard labor here is when your Xbox breaks and you have to somehow try to figure out how to get back to GameStop, you know, (laughs) and all you have is a skateboard, you know, and it's like four blocks away. That's hard labor. I got it done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was born in East St. Louis in the ghetto to a a, uh, Italian woman, and my biological father was born was black and I was I was supposed to be um I was I was supposed to be aborted and that is a that's a new piece of information that I got in my older life but um but she decided against that and decided that I needed to have a chance and um she 
uh, put me up for adoption. So I spent some time in some foster care, but still as a baby. I was adopted by um, by Mamma and Papa. Mamma and Papa, I and, love you. <laughs> and uh, and he ha- he was a pastor of a church in Cuba, Missouri. And then after that, he got a call to go to central Wisconsin, so Wisconsin Rapids area. And so that's where I ended up growing up. And it's still a great place to go back. It's, you know, it's like you, you go there. It's kind of like a big, small town. Yeah. You know, it's got, you know, maybe 20, 23,000 people in it. You know, everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Really good buddy of mine from high school is the mayor there. You know, Shane Blazer is the mayor <laughs> there. He's just an amazing guy. And I go back and it's like you can, you can walk into the, you can walk into, uh, um, City Hall and, you could, you know, make my way up and I can just go into Shane's office and sit down and have a conversation, you know, and it's like you're the, the mayor of Wisconsin Rapids, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to go to a place where it looks like it's still kind of in a way, a little bit stuck in the eighties, maybe even the seventies with some of the buildings, some of the architecture and some of the history that's there. But when I was growing up, it was it was a little different, you know, it was, um, we didn't live in town at the time. Mamma and Papa live in town now. We lived 10, 12 miles out of town. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep, on a farm. And, and, uh, on the, on a, and we had a little lake there. I remember I came home from school one day and my mom, I asked my mom, what's for dinner? And she said, I don't know, what'd you bring me? So I was like, oh, I don't, so I went and got my fishing pole. Only thing I knew how to do. Got my fishing pole, grabbed my BB gun, grabbed my bucket, grabbed a whole another bucket full of dirt with a bunch of worms in it. Yeah. Walked back. We had a little lake on our pond. And so I had my little red rider. I had it cocked sitting on the, the bank of the of the the of the pond. Is that the me. one where you had to like you had to pump it like this? No, that was, this this was before those days. This was in my red rider days. Oh, it was gotcha. a red little red rider BB gun. It was just a just a just one lever action. You know, yeah. and then one shot, lever action, one shot. And so I had uh, that cocked, ready to go, sitting on the bank right next to me, just in case the right birds flew around for me to shoot, bring home for dinner. And But instead, I ended up catching about 13 bullheads out of the lake. And I brought them, brought them back, and I put them on a little stump, you know, cleaned them, and I brought them into my mom. And I said, uh, here, I brought you these. And she said, I was kidding. I was not serious. <laughs> of course I have dinner, you know? And I was like, oh, she goes, well, I mean, now we're going to have these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. But that's how I grew up. You know, we had to make our own fun. And so our fun was um, playing war with BB guns. It was having crab apple fights. It was when our barn started collapsing, all these shingles started coming down. So we started throwing shingles at each other. You get hit by one of those things. It's like getting hit by a... It's like, um, it's like, uh, like a disc from Tron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, it's just kind of, yeah, just, <laughs> it just cuts you in half and you know, whatever my night, my neighbors, uh, Greg and Tom, uh, Kishalik, their parents helped raise me and 
not that my parents needed help, but it's just that when you have boys all that close of age, we're either always at my house, my at, at Seth and my my brother Seth, at, and Tom and Greg were either over at our house or we were over at their house, and um, their mom and dad decided that they were pretty sure that we that that my parents didn't feed us, especially Seth because he ate a lot of mm. food, and but. But people in our neighborhood, and they were so good to us. You know, even when I go back to Rapids now, I still go and try to see um, Bob and Dr. Shalik and Tom and Greg are now have families and out and on their own. We're still in touch to this day. You know, there's so much from my childhood that has come with me all the way up through where I am now. You know, uh, buddies of mine from grade school and elementary school were still in touch to this day. They'll go on vacations and come out to see us. Well, well, we we still uh, have um, have like boys' night when I go home and still go and hang out at one of one of one of the houses and just just sit in the basement just like we did when we were kids, and it's just that our conversations are different. But life was different in that that it was there was no social media. The Atari 2600 had just come out. Oh, uh, yes. A simpler time. <laughs> a simpler time. We didn't have a television for much of my growing up. And for a part of it, we had a black and white, 12-inch black and white television. 12 inches. That's small. Yeah. Yep. And it sat on a file cabinet in the corner of the living room. Wow. And, and it was a treat when we got to watch it. And it was like an hour, maybe an, an hour for a show during a week. So you'd look forward to that day of the week so you watch your hour show. What was show. your favorite show? Dukes of Hazard. That was a show? Yeah. Uh, I only know the movie. Of course you do. <laughs> nope. Josh Schneider, Tom Wopat. Yep. Yep. Denver Denver Pyle was Uncle Jesse. Yep. I got to meet him after I joined the Navy. It's one of the only times I ever went full fanboy was when I got to meet Uncle Jesse, the real Uncle Jesse. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I lost my mind. Um, I also enjoyed The Incredible Hulk as well. Wow. Lou Ferrigno was The Incredible Hulk. And it was, yeah, it was just a different a different point in time. You probably didn't make the baseball team. Maybe you did. There was no such thing as a participation trophy. We drank yeah. water from the hose. I guarantee you my crib had lead paint. And we had gravel driveways that we could run barefoot down. We had bicycles that we made jumps out of a board and two bricks. And you put the board on it, and then you'd hit that thing as hard as you could. Hey, the jump might fall down. You don't know. You don't know. You might get some air. You don't know. Yeah. But you're definitely going to crash at some point in that day. Sounds like me and you would be best friends if we Oh, we would have done well. We would have done well. I would always take my skateboard out, the skateboard that you now have. Yep, yep. And Sure Grip International, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would go out and I would skateboard for hours out on these old country roads. Yeah. Which is kind of like skateboarding on cobblestone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we would go and build our own BMX tracks. We had, 40, we had 40, 46 acres. We would go and build our own BMX tracks. And then one day my dad came home and he's just like, got a, got a treat for you guys. He had built a go-kart. And that thing was stupid fast. And we built a track for that. So we, I didn't grow up privileged or wealthy. 
but I grew up very rich because I got to experience so much stuff. My mom and dad would you know, during the the summer, my mom she would she would kick us out in the morning and we weren't even she wouldn't even expect to see us until dinner. And and sometimes we wouldn't even be home for dinner. We would be out at Tom and Greg's house or at the neighbors down the street or something. We would be, and it, it, down the street means way down the street. Like, yeah, like, this is like miles. This down is the yeah. And sometimes we'd be on our bikes. We would ride our bicycles all the way into Vesper, six miles. You know, we're yeah. eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. And just on our little BMX bikes, a bunch of little neighborhood kids, four or five of us, six of us, just riding our bikes all the way over into Vesper, so we could go and play some arcade games because these have these things called arcade games. And you used to take this money called a quarter, and you'd put it in it, and then you would hit play, player one, yeah. and then you could play the game. How and much is a quarter worth? A quarter? Yeah. How much is it worth? <laughs> or how much does it represent? Those are two different answers. <laughs> Welcome to 2023, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so I would, uh, and, and we had enough money to play a couple of video games and get some ice cream sandwiches and then ride our bikes all the way back home. I would swim almost every day back in the pond in the winters. My dad would take the truck back there and snow plow off the pond and we would go and we would ice skate back there, play hockey. We would, we would, uh, kids would come over with their snowmobiles. We have snowmobile races around the, around the pond. Sometimes we would have parties and the neighborhood would come over and we would, uh, they have a big bonfire on one side and the kids ice skating and playing hockey on the other side and yeah it was just that was how i how i grew up that sounds so much more fun than a freaking xbox <laughs> it's much... way more fun than an xbox yeah. and you and i learned that that uh um mom and dad weren't gonna sit there and coddle you if you fell down on the ice and you hit your head mm. and if you were out if you were dumb enough to point a bb gun at your buddy and pull the trigger it's like hey you know, play dumb games, win dumb prizes. Yep. You know, it's like, it's like it's go, there's going to be there's going to be ridiculous stuff that's going to happen. But that's how I grew up. So it's so I learned at an early age that hard is way better than strong. Mm. So as I began to grow up and become a become a a as I began to grow up, after I've grown up and became a dad. The one thing I always wanted for all you guys was for you to have a life in the country to some degree. Right? Yeah. And so then along comes, you know, the the, the business in Skydive San Diego and having you be out here. Remember that one day I asked you, I said, uh, what's your most unfavorite job? At the drop zone. Mowing the lawn. And you said, mowing, mowing the drop zone, mowing the grass. Yep. And I said, cool. See that lawnmower over there? I want you to get on it. I want you to start at this end. I don't want you to stop until you're on, on the other side. Yeah. How long did it take you to mow that thing? Three and a half days. Three and a half days later, you yeah. come to me and you had the biggest smile on your face. And you just said, Dad, I did it. I yep. said, now, how does that feel? And you go, man, that is so rewarding. It felt amazing. And I said, that's what it feels like when you do something, you do something well, you do it in excellence, and you do it right the first time. I said, now, it was hard, and in the middle, you wanted to quit, and it made, you, made, you, made, you, you felt like you wanted, you wanted to, you, you, were, you were whining a little bit, and <laughs> I don't want to do this, and why is dad so mean? I can't believe it. But then you got done, and you're like, oh, I get it. Yep. 
there's a there's a lot of things that I understand now growing up. Yeah. And my something I still can barely wrap my head around mm-hmm. is when Adrian came along. This was probably a few years after Adrian came along. Mm-hmm. He had he had done something to get himself in trouble. I don't remember what it is. There's a lot. And you you had him drop down. Mm-hmm. You started doing push-ups and you were yelling at him. You were like, Why didn't you do this? You just should have done this right. God, stop messing up. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around, and you're like, Okay, hey Sam, what do you what do you want for lunch? What do you what do you what are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> and it was right there, I was like, Back up. Back up. What like what was that? <laughs> like that was I can't tell I don't know whether to be Mad or impressed, <laughs> you know. You mean to tell me <laughs> that when you do that, you're not even mad? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. It takes a lot more than that to get me mad. Yeah. Like, oh man, all this time I thought you were mad. Like, no, no. Mm-mm. Making yeah. a point. And and now, I mean, it, I I know that you're not mad, but it still scares me. <laughs> like it's still, no. it's still, it's still scary. Yeah. Well, now it's like I don't even. Like it doesn't even happen. Well, that much yeah. Anymore. Well, no. It's like it's like now. It's just like, hey, Sam, do better. And and when I say that, you're just like, uh. And I was just like, hey, no, no, no. You don't have to get all wiggly. You just just do better. Yeah. It's okay. You did okay, but do better. And you're like, oh, got it. Yes, sir. On it. And people always get wrapped around the axle on the sir thing. Like, oh. Like, why you make your kids call you sir? I'm like, I don't. They started doing that on their own. And I call them sir. I say thank you, sir, all the time to my kids. And 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 well, why is that? I'm like, it's a it's a it's a show of respect. That's right. And I respect my children. I respect my boys. They are they're good dudes. They are really good men. And I want to show them respect. So I call them sir. And people always say like, "Oh, oh, well, I did, I did not, I didn't see that coming." So, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of my friends would ask me, "Why, why do you call your dad sir?" I was like, "To be honest, I don't even know." It's, yeah. I, I respect him. That's what you would say to someone that you respect. It's, yeah. You know, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Yeah, I do that all the time. I say it. I bet I say it three or four times a day. I call Zach sir. You yep. know, it's just a. It's Zach does it too. It's just it's 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 what it's what you do, and a lot has to do with how you treat people. There's a lot that goes into how you treat people, Character. the things that you're going to say to them, and and character, right? Yep. Character is how you are in public, and how you are in private, being the same person. That's that's character. Right. And the way you treat people, the things that you say and the things that you do that are going to honor someone. Do you honor up the people that are above you? Do you honor down the people that are coming up after you? Do you honor across the people who are your peers? Mm -hmm. If you can hit all of those dimensions with honor Things are going to go very well for you. You're going to find favor. You're going to find that people are going to want to be around you. People are going to want to hear what you have to say. People are going to feel encouraged to be around you. 
people are going to follow you. They are going to, they're going to, uh, they're going to, they're going to want to, they're going to want to see, they want to, they want to be around you and watch the awesome that comes off of you. That's what they're going to want to do. Right. Right. Because you honor. In fact, honor. And again, the basis of this is going to be character. Right. But there's one of the 10 commandments, honor your father and your mother. Do what the second half of that is that all may be well with you. Gotcha. Honor okay. your father and your mother that all may be well with you. That means that that if you are honoring your parents and if and if you if and the and it's not just talking about your parents, it's just honor your father and your mother. Honor honor the authority that's in your life. And that's why I'm always trying to get you guys to do too is have authorities in your life. Like I have five. Yep. But when you five dads, but when you honor those dads, when you honor those people that you have they, that you have in authority as authorities in your life, now things are going to go better for you, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. And are you going to find favor if you're constantly pushing back against your parents? Probably not. No. No. Are you going to find favor if you're grateful and you? You're you're thankful and honoring to your parents. Are your parents going to say like, "Hey, Dad, can I borrow the keys? Um, I need to go to my friend's house and I need to do this. I need to do whatever." He's going to say, "Here you go." Hey, Dad, why did you just give me the car keys like that? Because I trust you, and I trust that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. I trust that you're going to go where you said that you were going to go, and when you get there, I trust you that you're going to do. Uh, exactly the the thing. I also trust you not to go and go there, and I trust you that you're not going to go there, and you're not going to hang out with this person, and you're not going to do the thing over here. You know that's. But if you're somebody who is just always pushing back on your parents, and you know you, you're rude to your parents, you're mean to them, you aren't honoring, you make fun of them, you speak poorly about them. If you're um, aggressive to them and your parents, when it comes time for them to be able to show you some, some, uh, maybe some uh, rite of passage type of stuff, like you're 16, you can drive. Mm-hmm. Parents will be like, you're not driving my car. I need that car to go to work. And I'm not quite sure what you do in that car when I give you the keys. Right. It's because you're not worthy of the returning honor. And you're not worthy of the favor that comes as a result of honor. Because you're just going to go out and you're going to do something that's going to be counterproductive to the relationship that you have with your parents. That is the offspring of honor is going to be favor. And a lot of people miss that. Yeah. And so when you watch me growing up, communicate to other people and I'm always calling them sir it's you start doing it you just will because you're going to communicate like the father would and do you ever notice how I never introduced you to anybody yeah I've never once introduced you to somebody I appreciated that yep I would always say hey Sam um, introduce yourself I still do that to this day yes you do Introduce yourself. And 
you take a step forward, you look him in the eye, you have a great handshake, and you say, hi, my name's Sam. What's your name? Because I don't even tell you what their name is. Right. Like, Sam, introduce yourself. And they tell you the name. Like, hey, Nathan, nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, cool. How you? Uh, how you know my dad? And that's when they put it together, and they're like, "Wow, man, that was to the person to this day." They're always, they're, everybody always says that was a good handshake, and man, eye contact and everything. Adrian does it really well too. Yeah, he does. He does because that is honoring when you do that, and then you call, and then calling them sir. They say, "Okay, well, hey, nice to meet you, Sam." Yes, sir. You always do that. You're honoring them. And then I hear about you for the next five minutes. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, he's a great kid. Can we get back on the topic of what we were talking about? You know, and and but it's still it's it's really it's really fun. It's really fun to watch when someone when somebody can honor and they can honor correctly. Yeah, I think that's a big something that a lot of people struggle with um, nowadays, especially in my generation. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so glued to their phones. They don't yeah. know how to give somebody respect for their attention. Mm. And like when I meet someone new that's that's my age, it's not a handshake. It's it's something we do called a, a dap up. It's kind of kind of what it looks like. And it's like it's I feel like it's not enough. You know, it's I feel like a lot of people just lack so much Communication. What if you skills? just started doing it? They they start doing it like, oh, what are you doing? No, no. What? Go ahead, shake my hand like an adult. Good, good. Hey, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, I have done that a few. And times. you start you start doing that. They're gonna like they're gonna feel like they just got left behind. Yep. That's what's gonna happen because you just took a step and you just went right by them. Mm. You went right into being an adult, and they're still locked back there at thirteen. Yep. And and they're gonna be like, oh, wait, wait, wait for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You watch. They're go- and then and then if you're if you have high EQ and you do something like that, watch what happens. Pay close attention in the next five minutes if you're still around them. Right. Right. Watch what they do. They're gonna lean in when you talk. They're gonna lean in. They're gonna they're gonna ask you questions. They're gonna they because they want to know like what 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 just happened yeah. because they want whatever it is. That you had for breakfast that morning that made you an adult all of a sudden, they want that meal. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds I'm I'm gonna start doing that more. I think that's yeah. That's somebody that do that what was it called? A dap up? Yeah. D- Can't you guys D- even come up with good names for stuff? Hey, I don't not me. It wasn't me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's also how, how people use their words and the words that they use to mm-hmm. Um, address other people and they don't they're not really thinking about how they come off to other people they're thinking about what's the easiest way that i can communicate this to that person and how many how how few words i can use and it's kind of it's it's kind of it's difficult to see for me Mm. because growing up with you i learned how to be an adult at a young age i learned how to carry myself like i'm older than i am Mm-hmm. And I don't see that anywhere else. I think that people need to. There's a few kids out there that are that are doing that, like uh, you know Sebastian and Santiago. Yeah, are definitely are beyond sure. their years. Like Mary and uh, and uh, um, and Kieran are yep. definitely beyond their years. Like there's kids out there that are just that are way down the road. But those 
kids that so are like that they're very they're it's very hard to it's it's like it's when you see them you'll never forget them yep when you're when you're around it i remember i was, at, I was speaking at a men's conference once and this kid came up to me and his name was nathan and he came up and he just said he was like hi mr bramstead i'm nathan it's great to meet you i really enjoyed your uh your your uh your message today i really got a, and he used to start like talking i was like how old are you he's like i'm seven <laughs> dude i got my wallet out and I gave the kid a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> I was like, "Here," and his parents were like, uh, "What? Uh, why are you getting my kid a hundred bucks?" And I said, "I said, how old are you?" He said, "He said I'm seven. He goes, "Do you want to know why I just gave you a hundred bucks?" And he was like, "Why?" I said, "Because I want to be the first person to invest into your future, mm. and my investment is not this hundred bucks. It's I want you to never forget the moment." A stranger gave you a hundred bucks because you got that hundred, you got that hundred bucks because you made such an impact on me with how you interface with me. Right. And he was just like, well, wow. Uh, okay. And the dad was just like, wow, like I did not see that coming. And I was like, can I talk to you for a minute? I pulled his dad aside. I'm like, whatever you're doing, can you do it again? Like, get kid over there. How about that kid over there? Do it again. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. It's like you're not you're a you're a dad, but you're supposed to be a dad to, to much more than just your kid. It's gotta be, it's gotta be something that you gotta you gotta take what you just did with him and you gotta make it go viral somehow. Yeah. Because that that was that was amazing. And and just breathing a little bit of life across this guy, the spark in him. All of a sudden he stood up a little bit straighter, his shoulders came back because I was just confirming and affirming the fact that he was an amazing dad. Just by what I saw. And I and I don't know if he's really an amazing dad or not. I don't see him parent, but this kid here, I could definitely tell he loved his dad. Yeah. And he definitely knew how to engage with other adult <clears throat> males. And it was really impressive to see. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, kids nowadays, just the way that they talk and, are, uh, and and have exchanges with adults and everything else is a little bit different. So, yeah. Well, I really appreciate the time that mm -hmm. you've cut out for me today. I appreciate it. And uh, make sure that you guys go ahead and like, subscribe, you know, comment, give us your thoughts on is there if there's anything that you want to hear in the future. Um, and yeah, I. I really appreciated this. Yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. Good. You did a good job, dude. I had a lot of fun. And of course, stay dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Fail. <laughs> I don't know. A little Rico Suave. <laughs>